Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. There weren't external factors that were magically transforming my life into the life I wanted to live. But somebody out there is going to resonate with the way you tell the story or the way you share that message. And they need you to tell it. I finally gave in to my dream. I gave in and let myself do what I knew I really wanted to do. Apparently, cats have nine lives. For most humans, it's usually just one. For better or worse, Bradley Charbonneau is a human. For all practical purposes, and as far as any outsider could see, his life was perfect. He had his own company, he lived in a house in the middle of San Francisco, and went every summer to his wife's home country in Europe. Yet on the inside he was wondering when that life he's supposed to be living was going to start. He was starting to hope he was a cat because apparently the life he had imagined wasn't going to happen in this lifetime until he took action on November 1st, 2012. Then everything changed. Bradley Charbonneau, welcome to the People of Purpose podcast. Wonderful to have you here today, you here today with my podcast manager, Tom. We're across three different time zones across the world. It's awesome to get to do something like this. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I love that we're in three different time zones and we're really spreading it out too. We got eight in the morning and three in the afternoon and 10 at night. I mean, we almost can't even stretch it out more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're in, uh, I'm in Kansas City and it's 8 a.m. here. Bradley's in Amsterdam and it's 3 p.m. and Tom is in the Philippines and it's 10 p.m. So we're capturing a whole day in one hour, as Tom just said. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So you're a mysterious man, Bradley, the way that you wrote your, your introduction about cats having nine lives and most humans having one and everything changed on November 1st. Dun, dun, dun. Like, I'm pretty curious as to what's going on with your life. And first off, like, why did you portray your life in this sort of um, this like action, mysterious oriented sort of way? Um, and then what, what happened November 1st that changed your life? You know, so I was looking at, you know, your description and you talk about, you know, stories to help you see things differently and live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, you know, and then necessi necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. And, you know, like those words to a lot of people might seem sort of, like, I don't know, marketing or something, you know, like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. But it's not really going to be me or yeah, that's great for like a movie, you know, that I'm going to watch on Netflix. That, that's like the description of the movie I'm going to watch on Netflix tonight. But yeah, well, that can't really be, you know, somebody's real life. Right. And so I and I say this because that's the way I used to feel like before. I know we'll talk about November 1st, 2012. But before that time, I felt like 
oh, well, I guess my life is just going to be the way it is. It's not what I had hoped, but too, too bad for me. I guess it's not really going to work out or I'm not going to be able to live the dreams I had hoped for. So, oops. And then I often joke about cats. It's funny because I'm not a cat person at all. I have a dog. But, <laughs> but uh, like cats, the saying goes, they have nine lives. And, and so at that point in my life, I kind of felt like, well, I mean, I guess if you, did, if you believe in the afterlife, then you're also okay. <laughs> or if you're a cat, because a cat, I think if the cat doesn't have the life they chose to live this time around, well, they have eight more where they can get it right. And I thought, okay, that's great, but I'm not a cat. And so I only have this life to live. And if it's not going the way I had dreamed about, then when am I gonna make it? When am I gonna make the change? When am I gonna turn it into the life I had dreamed about? And then I realized also, no one else is gonna do this for me. You know, sure, you might get the call from whatever you're waiting for, you know, Hollywood or whatever big call you're waiting for for your big break in life. But, you know, how often does that really happen? And I wasn't getting that call. No, it wasn't. There weren't external factors that were magically transforming my life into the life I wanted to live. And so I finally, it hit me. I'm like, wow, I guess I'm going to have to do this on my own. I'm guess, I guess I'm going to have to take action. And that's when, so to, to come clean on the November 1st, 2012 story, because I know I, I wrote about that and your listeners are like, what is he going on about November 12th, <laughs> November 1st, 2012? But so it, here's what happened really quickly. I was uh, working, I had my own company, sort of a, a design agency in San Francisco and life on the exterior seems wonderful. So everything's great. Yay, company, the cool town, good life. Yay, fun, nice. But on the inside, I was, I was dying. I was... I was sad, I was depressed, I was frustrated, I was angry, I was sort of mad at the world for not giving me the life I wanted to live. And so a buddy of mine and sort of business partner, he was running a program called Monthly Experiments. And he had a thing where for 30 days you would do like no caffeine or wake up at 5 a.m or do exercise every morning for 30 days, right? And one of those, like a habit creation thing and see if it, a little habit could change something about your life. And when he, so he did, I had known the guy for years and he didn't even know that I had any sort of aspirations of becoming a writer. And that's how I, have, I often call it, like I was in the closet, you know, I didn't tell anybody. And partly because if I don't, if you don't tell anybody your dreams, they're a whole lot easier to keep dreaming about because then they're not real and they just stay in your dreams, but they're also not gonna come true. And so they're gonna eat away at you from the inside and it hurts and it's gonna be painful and it's just gonna get worse. I mean, it's like a disease. And so if your dream, if you don't let your dream out. So I finally let my dream out and I told this guy, I said, hey, yeah, I kind of have this book I kind of wrote and I'm like apologetic. And yeah, I'd like to be a writer someday. And he's kind of like, well, when, you know, when is someday? I said, oh, you know, <laughs> and you get into that whole vague future reference of when 
that is going to happen, right? When are you actually going to make this change? And of course, someday it doesn't exist on a calendar. It's like Thursday. No, is it Tuesday? No, it doesn't. There is no someday on the calendar. There's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's no someday on there. And so it wasn't happening. And so this guy, he was doing this, you know, no caffeine or wake up early or whatever. He said, okay, in November, in this 2012, right? It's eight years ago now. To November, he says, all right, Bradley, for November, we're going to do one and it's going to be called write every day. And all you have to do is write every day. I don't care if you write five words, whatever, a little, a little thing, just write every day. That's it. That's the whole experiment. And for me at that point, that was really scary because I wasn't writing any days. I wasn't writing at all. And yet here I am saying I want to be a writer, but I'm not writing. And so the, the thing here was, it's, this is going to make my dream real because I'm coming out of the closet. I'm going to make it real and I'm going to start writing every day. And it's a whole lot safer to just hold on to your dream and just, you know, not tell anybody. And so on November 1st, uh, 2012, I started writing every day and I went, got through like fifth, two weeks, 14 days. I'm like, oh man, this is pretty tough, but I'm, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then 20 days and 30 days. And after the month, I said, wow. And then he gets this all the time. But my comment was, well, that wasn't actually so hard. Of course, he hears this all the time. But this for me is a big deal because it, it wasn't like no caffeine for a month or it wasn't no sugar for a month or something like that. This is my dream. This is like the real deal. And I'm actually doing it. And so for 30 days, I did it. And I said, you know what? You know what, John? I'm just going to keep going. So I went and I, I hit a hundred days and then I hit 365 days and then I hit a thousand days. That, I mean, if you do your math, that's like three, four years, right? Then I hit 2000 days and like I'm at something like 2,742. I don't even remember. And so I just kept writing. And so in, and, and at that time I had one book to my name that was done with like a publisher way back when. And since that time, I have written 26 more books. And I think something that might be valuable for the audience to know here is it wasn't just like, oh, Bradley, he's just got his computer and his company and that's it. You had your wife and I believe at least two kids at that point. Is that correct? Yeah, two kids. Yeah. So how do you manage having a life and doing that? I mean, I'm, I'm a dad, I've got a, a, a six month old and it's barely enough just to do my everyday stuff. So how would you go about that for our audience that is living with multiple things going on? You know, so uh, back when I first moved back then to San Francisco, I was in a writer's group and there was a guy and he was a doctor and people were asking him how, and you have a full-time job as a doctor, how in the world do you, uh, do you make the time to write? Or do you find the time to write? And he says, I don't find it. I make it. And he says, I wake up an hour earlier every day. That's my big secret. And this here, here's a little gossipy uh, celebrity talk. That guy in my writer's group wrote a book called The Kite Runner. And his name is Khaled Hosseini. And that's how he wrote that first book. He was a full-time doctor and he woke up an hour earlier every day. 
And he, I learned from him, it's just priorities. So what are you going to give up in your life? You got, you got to give something, right? There's only 24 hours in a day. Can't make 25. So if you're going to write an hour a day, you got to give up something for an hour a day. Or, and the easiest, in, in my opinion, is an hour of sleep. And so I uh, woke up earlier. I just wake up an hour earlier. And I'm a morning person, so I'm, I like waking up early. But I would wake up even earlier and make the time. And then, so once I had that external factor of the right every day and this guy and the month and the monthly experiments thing, then I was like out of the closet, right? Now I'm out in the open and it's not like people are waiting for me to write, but it was sort of this external pressure because I had come out, because I had said, I'm going to do this now. And so then the pressure, it was my own pressure on myself to do it. And it was just priorities. And I made it a priority. I'm, there are no, you know, I, I could have so many excuses to not have written every day for 2000 plus days in a row, but I, I didn't, I just did it. And that was sort of, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, but it, it that was it, it's just priorities. And, and I mean, you talked about kids, if it's uh, in the evening and I haven't written my daily thing and my kid wants something, I'm going to make it work, but maybe my kid gets less of my attention for half an hour that day. He knows how important it is to me and he knows I'm going to do it. So, Hey, I got to do my every single day thing. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Can we watch a movie? Like, give me half an hour. <laughs> no, it's this, you, you got to make it happen. And I became ruthless and I just was unstoppable machine. And that's funny because of course, before then I wasn't writing at all. So it really was a 180 degree turn. And, it, and that one day, that's why I can come back to that one day so easily now and say that was a day that it all changed. You know, now I've written 27 books. I keep cranking them out. I can't stop writing now, right? <laughs> now it's like the opposite. What is it that you feel so compelled to share with the world in your writing? Is it about sharing your writing or is it about getting it out of your, your busy brain? Or what, what is the purpose behind the writing, do you feel? It's, it's more getting it out. I, I think writing is, is therapy. And I believe that so many of, I mean, there's also, do you have a story to tell? Do you have a message to share? I mean, we all do. It's just a lot of us don't think, oh, that's not important enough. Oh, I'm not expert enough. Oh, somebody's already written that story. But the thing is, sure, somebody's written that story. Sure, you're not expert enough, but somebody out there is going to resonate with the way you tell the story or the way you share that message. And they need you to tell it, not just you know, the famous guy or the rock star or whatever. They want to hear it from you. And, and I believe that. And I, I actually think everybody should write a book. And I'm not talking about making a million dollars in royalties. I'm not talking about hitting the bestseller list. I'm talking about getting this message out of you, getting this, your, your voice heard. And it's, a, it's kind of like, I don't like talking about the word disease because it's such a negative thing, but I believe like when these things are trapped up inside of us, these, these voices, these messages, these stories we have, this information, this knowledge, this wisdom that we could share and we don't, and we're holding it in like a cancer 
and it's going to metastasize and grow and it's going to hurt. And so that's why we got to get it out. I'm curious, like since you started writing every day, how has your external life taken a different shape? What was it like? What, what was the, the shape of your life before you started writing with your family, where you were living, your business? And then how did that start to take shape in like the short term and then nowadays? So it really it turned everything around for me. But I think it was because I finally gave in to my dream. I gave in and let myself do what I knew I really wanted to do. And so then it became, instead of like paddling upstream, you know, really struggling to work and get stuff done and make money, rah, you know, then it's like, turn the canoe around, <laughs> go downstream and look, you have to paddle less. So before my life was struggling for money, trying to like my company and my, the work I was doing and the job and even the city I was living in. And I just wasn't happy because I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't have, I wasn't living my purpose. And so then once I got rolling, I, I mean, here, just to put it really bluntly, I, we, I sold my company. I moved my family to Europe and I became a writer full time. I mean, those are, each of those is pretty huge, but I just did them all three at the same time. And because I had built up the confidence, having written for so long and sort of knowing and learning, I can do this and I'm consistently doing it on a daily basis. And, and it's, by the way, the daily basis is super important. It's not just, oh, when I feel like it, oh, when I get inspiration, oh, only on Thursday evenings at seven. Nope, it's every single day. And that's the big secret. I mean, people ask me, Bradley, what's your secret? It's not a secret, I'll tell you. It's just every single day, whatever it is, whether, you know, writing or whatever your thing is, it's just, you've got to do it every single day. I mean, like the dentist, I got this question from a dentist. The, de the dentist said, so which teeth do you want to keep? Well, all of them, of course. And he said, right. So which days do you want to brush your teeth? Well, I, and he says, how many teeth did you want to keep? All of them. I think every single day brushing your teeth is probably a good idea. I'm like, oh, 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 right. And so my challenge then for people is, which life do you want to live? How often do you want to work towards it? Is it every other Thursday? Is it whenever you feel like it? Is it, oh, whenever I have time? When there's nothing else on Netflix? It's a, it's a priority shift. And it's gotta happen internally. It's gotta happen within you to make it really happen. Today's episode is sponsored by Win Mastermind in partnership with former guest, Alexander Keenan. We have an opportunity to bring anyone into the podcast that really wants more clarity, more goal setting, to be a part of a connection with other entrepreneurs and visionaries that are creating their vision every single day. I just recently had a session where I posed to the group a question on what would be a good value ladder to make sense for people of Purpose listeners to be able to engage more deeply with their purpose. 
that can not only bring revenue into our project, but also serve people to engage more deeply in a relationship with others on the same journey as them to get them connected to some of these mentors and guests and opportunities we have available. And just posing that question really contributed a lot of growth for me to have a more organized mind to be able to lead my team, to lead you, and planted a lot of seeds during the conversation that helped me to organize the sequences of steps we could take, give me clarity to help others get clarity, and then see kind of what this bigger picture may look like where we could get people plugged into some coaching and some business development calls as a group and then get them ultimately connected with the mentors and masters of the craft that, that I've come to know through three years of being connected to the most purpose-driven people on the planet. So yeah, if you want to join Win Mastermind, go to winmastermind.org. Let them know that people of purpose sent you here. Book your free call with Alexander himself and see if it's the right fit. So what were some of those things you had to like, I don't know what the word is, develop unhabits about things you needed to stop doing that you were regularly doing that you had to cut away to fill the time with writing? Um, that, that may have been painful that maybe someone who's listening could relate to. Well, a, a biggie was fear. Just get over the fear. And I, I say, I mean, that's that sounds easy. It's like one of those easier said than done for sure. Uh, but I, I finally, and this is with external pressure. I talk a lot about external factors and internal factors, right? So remember, November 1st, 2012, I didn't just say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Nope. I had that friend who, you know, more or less forced me <laughs> to change my habits. I think that's one of the things that uh, you could speak on. It's really helpful for a lot of entrepreneurs and young professionals and just people who are trying to do whatever their idea, their passion is, is you get caught in one of two camps. Camp A says, no, it's all internal inspiration. It's just, you know, you just don't have enough internal inspiration. Camp B says, no, it's all external motivation, all this pressure. But I believe like you're hitting on, it's wise to find a mixture of both internal motivation, something you're passionate about, but having that external pressure, having the friend to hold you accountable or the deadline as you like to talk about quite often. Tom, I think that's a really important point where like, so how much is internal and how much is external? Like, if you look back to me pre 2012, it was way too much internal. I'm just hoping, waiting. Oh yeah, you know, I will, I just, I guess I'm not strong enough or I guess I'm not disciplined enough or maybe I'll, you know, wait until, I don't know. And I, but I wasn't taking the external help either. Even if it arrived at my doorstep, I, I wasn't doing it. So there's got to be this place where you're open as well, where you're open to the external help. And then you can change internally. But I am all about getting help. Uh, I That's one thing I've really changed is I am all about partnerships and collaborations and working together. And one plus one is more than two because for way too long, I did way too much on my own. Hmm. And even just like an, on an informal basis, talking about something with somebody. Like I could, I could sit here and talk about, I don't know, chai. <laughs> and, and you guys might have an opinion on chai, chai latte. And if I hadn't brought it up, then we, you wouldn't know that I love chai latte. I do too. 
That's my opinion. Just gonna throw that in there. There we go. And then I could ask, well, what is chai like in the Philippines? You know, is it different? Is it like India? Or is it more like, you know, or this? Is it is it sweet? Is it spicy? But uh, had I never brought that up, and had, had I, and that's like a really easy one because that's just this fun thing, chai. But if I I was I was on a hike yesterday with this guy, and I said, yeah, hey, I want to do more public speaking. And he says, oh, I didn't realize that. Well, I know you did some public speaking, but I didn't know you were like actively looking for more public speaking gigs. And I said, well, here I am. I'm actively asking you, David, <laughs> for, you know, because I, I know he does a lot of public speaking. Uh, I am now actively officially asking you that I'm uh, telling you that I am interested in more public speaking gigs. He's like, oh, awesome to know. Thanks for letting me know. I didn't know that. And it can be as simple as that. And it doesn't have to be cheesy and it doesn't have to be salesy. And it doesn't have to be begging and asking. It's just like, hey, I'm interested in X, Y, Z. Oh, wow, that's cool. Or somebody says, I have no idea about X, Y, Z. I, I, I can't help you. Oh, okay, no problem. You know, like Tom, if you said, oh, I've never had a sip of chai in my life. Oh, no worries. Cool drink, you might like it. And that's it, end of conversation. Whereas you say, hey, but what is chai like in Philippines? <laughs> I haven't had it since I've been in the States, but they have milk tea over here, which is a big thing. And they have oodles of flavors of that. Uh, and I'm sure there is a chai flavor milk tea as well. Right now, winter melon and uh, Hokkaido are my favorite uh, ones. That being said, I found it amazing how you talked about being open to just being vulnerable with somebody that you're around, one of your friends. It's astounding how if you just talk about something that you're passionate about or that you desire to know more about, not even passionate, you just desire more know more about, you tend to get answers. Most people forget that other people around them can't read their mind. And so when we do, like you said, and just, hey, you know, I know you do this. I'm curious about this. It's amazing the doors that open up from that. Yeah. You know, I, I also believe people really, truly, deeply want to help other people. And people, it's fun to help other people. And, and I, we forget that too. So if you combine that other people are not mind readers, which I completely agree with, we forget on a regular basis. <laughs> and then if you add in the idea that most people really like to help other people, well, there's your recipe for success right there. Just, and what's the worst that can happen? You know, Tom, you could say, I hate chai. If we talk about chai for another five seconds, I'm going to throw up on my keyboard. <laughs> oh, sorry, switch topics. But what are the chances of that, right? And so like yesterday with this guy, I said, hey, you know, public speaking, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. He's going to, hook. you know, who knows? Maybe it turns into nothing, but maybe it turns into some speaking gig. Cool. But it didn't cost me anything other than... My, like you say, Tom, like my vulnerability of saying, hey, I'm looking at this. Hey, I'm interested in this. And I'm kind of, you know, insinuating that I'd like to get more of this. And so I'm putting myself out there by saying, well, no, I, yeah, I'm booked on, you know, five TEDx talks in the next two weeks, and I'm a pro speaker, and I make $10,000 a minute. And you can't help me because I'm too awesome for you. Well, no, that's not true. And it's also not going to work well, right? Like you say, I'm, I'm opening up with my vulnerability 
and asking a legitimate question. I'm looking for, for some help. I'm like, hey, David, could you help me? And it's amazing how far that can go. And it's fun. It's fun. It's more fun to work together. It's fun to help people. I love when I can help people. I mean, look at you guys. This is fun to be on this podcast. You guys have an offer. You say, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? Oh, awesome. Whereas the other way around, if I have to ask and beg and say, oh, could I please in your podcast? You're like, oh, who's that guy? Where if you turn around the other way, it's a lot more, I, I use the word fun a lot. I mean, take your pick of your favorite, like positive ways to feel, but um, I think this is fun, right? Talking about stuff and, and being on a podcast and this is, this is cool stuff and we're getting to know each other here and we're asking the, the hard questions and we're spewing out our vulnerabilities, you know, here for the, the world to hear. Right. You know, this is cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Tanner, yes, I want to hear what you have to say. And then I want to participate in that vulnerability that you guys are talking about after after I hear what you're trying to say. Cool. I mean, yeah, what I wanted to know about vulnerability was, um, have you had any like big, important breakthroughs because you were extremely vulnerable? Um, what lessons kind of can you share? Like what's what's a, the golden lesson about vulnerability in your own words um, about its power, its use, its utility? I think that, uh, well, that kind of the November 1st is the biggest one for me. The mm -hmm. uh, opening up saying, I have been dreaming of being a writer. Right. I haven't done it at all. I really want to do it. And the scariest part about opening about, up about your dream and taking action towards your dream is that you could fail. Because my biggest fear was, what if I fail? What if I never become a writer? Then, and I become a landscape architect. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. I, um, I become something that I didn't really want to do. And then my dream, my big giant dream is crushed. And for the rest of my life, I'm gonna live in regret and sadness and be a grump. And so opening up with that vulnerability, and then by the way, I use the word failure, although I, I almost don't even believe in the word failure. There's really like every failure, I mean, this is very optimistic speaking, but every failure is an opportunity, right? It's not failure, it's learning. And so every, terrible article I wrote is learning how to make it better for the next one. So I think for me, it was really the big vulnerable moment was, hey, I'm going to become a writer. Here, just for kicks, here's another one. I decided I really wanted to move back to Europe. I had been, I had lived in Europe for seven years previously, a long time ago, and then met my Dutch girlfriend, now wife, we moved to the States. We said we were going to just go for a year. We ended up there for 17 years. And then I was vulnerable by saying, hey, family, I really want to move back to Europe. And they really weren't into it, especially my kids. <laughs> my kids were like you know, handcuffing themselves to the bedpost. Like, I'm not going. Um, but I knew long term. So this is vulnerable in that I'm opening up my family to huge change. And yeah, I like change. I like moving around. I've lived in a whole bunch of different countries. I love it. But I think 
because I know the benefits of it, especially long-term, I had to be vulnerable and say, hey kids, this is gonna be painful. You're not gonna like it, um, but in the long-term, it's gonna be good. And of course, no kid can understand anything beyond like two weeks. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a worthless talk of mine, but still uh, opening that up and uh, being a bad guy for the greater good, for the long-term good, uh, I had to make that decision. And I did it and I have, I have no regrets. It's been tough for sure. It's definitely been a, a challenge and a battle. Um, and it uh, continues to be, but I still believe in the bigger purpose of it all. Yeah, exactly. So, and you guys know all about moving to different countries. You guys are all over the place. Thailand, Philippines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had to be very vulnerable with these sort of things as well. Like. I remember for me, I was, uh, Tom, I want to come to you very soon. <laughs> Sorry, but I keep talking. No worries. I, I really want to hear you. This is, this is a, our first time doing a three-party interview. Uh, heads up, audience, this is our first time doing that. Um, but so there's going to be that give and take. I'm, I'm, you know, go for it, man. Yeah, I remember feeling super vulnerable when I was living in San Francisco. Uh, Bradley, I was living there in 2018. I was pursuing a master's program. I was teaching at a school. Um, it was just a really hard year. It was an accelerated master. So one year I was teaching like at an inner city, like title one school. Most students come from very different backgrounds than I came from. Um, I had just moved from Thailand for the second time back to America. And um, my wife wasn't getting her visa over and over again. We, we tried twice. We hired attorneys just to get a tourist visa and come see America and my family for five weeks over the winter holidays. Um, and I remember realizing like, this isn't going to happen. Like we've got to commit to something much bigger or we've got to, we've got to probably separate. I can't indefinitely stay apart with no plan. Um, and it took a lot of vulnerability from me to, I was like, I was feeling really alone in San Francisco. And I remember just like face down on the floor in November of 2018, like crying about like this, this is so painful. This is so hard. I don't really know what else I've been trying really hard for a relationship. I've spent thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours trying to get here, here on this tourist visa. Um, they make you like buy the tickets and everything in advance to prove that it's a real trip. And then they still deny you. Um, at this time, like the kids were like in cages at the border and stuff like on the Mexican US border. And it was just a really bad time for immigration. <laughs> um, and I remember just being like, this is the scariest thing ever, but I love this girl and I, I, I want I want this to work. And I, I talked to friends and family and just was really vulnerable about how this this is so hard, but here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm feeling. And I left three weeks later with a total commitment to get married to her and to move back to Thailand and to like see this through until we can come back together. And um, I, I just kind of knew like once we committed to each other, the rest of the external world, like career and environment and things will all take care of themselves in the way that it should. I wanted to make sure I'm with the woman that I want to like be in a committed, loving marriage with the rest of my life. Um, and so I finished my program or I, I went in February and proposed to her came back, filed for the fiance visa, finished my program, moved to Thailand. And then I was with her in person when she got her fiance visa. And then we were able, six months later, we stayed the maximum time in Thailand because we love it there. And we were able to move to America. 
Um, and she just got a green card two weeks ago. So it's been a huge journey and it took like tons of vulnerability with people I love um, and with myself to be able to, to put those things into motion. And I think that's really hard for people to, to go that way. A lot of people in my, in my external environment in San Francisco who didn't know me very well were telling me, this doesn't make sense. You've got to move on from this. You're not living in Thailand anymore. You don't have a connection there. You're getting a master's degree in job offers in San Francisco. And it took like that honesty with myself for, for this sort of thing to take shape. And I'm super grateful for it today. You know, so there, you said there was, there was one turning point. I think that was when you decided this is what I'm going to do. Like me uh, moving to Europe. It was, I mean, you guys both know it is a total pain to move, especially to a different country, right? And we had a house, we had a car, we had kids, we have schools, we have, you know, a house full of stuff and furniture and we, and, but once you make the decision, it's all details. Once you make the core really hard decision and you, you know, you are not turning back, then everything else is all just like a task list you know, that you got to get through. And that's the difference. And that's like me becoming a writer. There was nothing that was going to stop me. I love that mindset. It's so empowering to believe that about this, this beginning of a journey that you would know deep down is like the journey you've been called to go on with your life and your gifts and your talents and your resources. But you're at like the beginning steps and nobody recognizes you for how courageous this is and how big this feels to your life. Um, but I agree with you. Like, that's you you're know, on that's your a, that's a, that journey. That's a really important point because it's eight years later, right? That's a long time, mm-hmm. and I I can't even really remember who that guy was. Like me, you know, eight years ago, this like sad, wimpy, scaredy cat uh, guy who just didn't dare do anything and wasn't living his life and is depressed and annoyed and all those negative emotions. <laughs> and I mean, it was terrible. And, and so for me, sometimes I have to take a step back and remember, Hey, Bradley, remember where you came from? You know, remember how hard it was for you. Remember how you didn't believe in your own self back then. You didn't think this, you weren't sure this was the right thing to do. You just knew in your heart, you had to do it. Mm -hmm. And you have to be okay with failure. You have to, and failures, plural. And you got to get through those failures knowing it's like, you know, you can lose the battle, but win the war type stuff, right? You can lose a whole bunch of battles, but if you keep going, you're, you're going to win the war. I think that's a wonderful place to ask this question. And I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you've been talking about failure and seeing these obstacles. And I'm just placing myself in the mind of others who have been there as well. What do you do when you've had that incredible failure? It's been years later. You're kind of recovered, but then you start to dream again. And you're kind of afraid to go for that dream. Now, I can say personally, I know I've been there, but I know tons of others are. Before you answer, though, I want to pause real quick to invite the people listening right now to subscribe, pause. We'll still be here. Don't worry. Bradley will answer the question. Nobody's going anywhere, but pause it for like two minutes, write a thing and get back in here. Anyway, back to you, Bradley. What do you do? when you've had that major failure, like you've done a big life goal and it just crashed to the ground and you decide to dream again, how do you 
fight that, oh man, it could, it could crash again kind of mentality. You know, I think, you know, I really like what you said earlier about combining the internal and the external. And I think at that point, your internal resources might be kind of running low. If, you know, if your self-confidence is low, you just got, you know, beat up or lost or failed miserably, you might think, I don't, I just don't have it in me. I, you know, like with you, Tanner, and you're, oh, the, you know, rejected again. And, oh man, and the, it's just not going to happen here. And that's when you got to dig down deep and think, you know, is this, I mean, number one, is this really the thing for me? Like for me writing and that was, there's no question about that. But then, so take slightly smaller failures and think, oh, this book is a total bomb and think, okay. And so I'm back to the learning aspect of it. What can I learn from this failure? Why analyze it? I mean, get, get analytical about it, get, you know, annoying and analytical and dig deep and say, what bombed about this? What was wrong with it? And then if, if it's possible and usually is talk to the people, talk to the people who are on the other side of the decision. So like in a, in a book perspective, talk to the ones who gave you the tip, if you can talk to the ones who gave you the reviews, like it's going to hurt, right? If there's going to be tears and blood and <laughs> uh, how, how did this not work? What wasn't working? And it, it's, it's not going to be fun. I talk about fun a lot. This is not going to be fun part. What's, how can I make it better? What, what am I missing? What were you looking to have that I didn't, I didn't supply? And you're going to learn so much from that. And again, I'm back to the external factors, right? The other people. It's not just me and my desire and my discipline and my determination. Now I'm like, okay, I gave it my best shot and I completely bombed. What did I do wrong, dear audience? And, and often you have to add to that, give me the hard truth. I can handle it, you know, even if you can't handle it. But I can handle it. And I know it's going to be painful, but it's, it's sort of like, you know, ripping off the Band-Aid. It's going to really hurt for a minute, but I need to know what didn't work. Uh, so that I know I can make it better next time. And don't give me, no, I actually really liked it. And, you know, just try harder next time. And it was really good. I'm like, no, that, that doesn't help me. It bombed. Tell me what was wrong. And you know, maybe the answer is, wow, that book topic just is not going to work. And that's okay, too, because that, that le I learned, wow, I should just keep that dump, add some some gasoline to that dumpster fire <laughs> and it'll go out sooner <laughs> and I got to move on. But that, you know, I, I really like that we're talking about uh, the, the, the hard stuff, right? The vulnerabilities and the failures, because, you know, for many people, they look at the success stories and they think it's all glorious and champagne and, and fireworks. And there usually is so much, you know, tragedy and pain and drama and tears and blood along the way to get there. But that's not the sexy stuff. You don't want to hear that. You want to just hear the fun, exciting success story. But sorry, success story film writers. <laughs> this is how it ha usually happens, it, at least as far as I know. I yeah, it may it not be right. the sexy stuff, but it's the stuff we need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, the philosophy behind our show is like people are put here and called with a, with a purpose or purposes, and um, we need to do what we can do to uncover those gifts within to be able to kind of seek and find and fulfill those purposes. And a lot of, of the journey of uncovering these things and committing to these things lies in um, going through these rough patches, these hard times, and gleaning wisdom from them in a way that gets you more and more on your on your successful path, if, if success is determined by your, your fulfillment of your purpose or something like that. Um, so we do have kind of a success story brand, I would say, but a lot of the conversations revolve around um, the details of the journey that are not so successful, that, that help you to, to pivot yourself in the way in your life to where you're now a full-time writer living in Europe with your family, sold a company, like you have a success story now but we're not talking about the fact that you're celebrating your success story. You're still a growing person who has uh, vulnerabilities just like anyone else. And that's relatable to people. And that's what people need to be able to attach to your sense of story and find their, their own story, you know, within your path. You know, you said something really important there because you, you said the words success and the words purpose. And I think they're not necessarily interchangeable. Because if, if, you're, if your show was called The People of Success, that would be a completely different show. <laughs> and I, I actually think you, well, I guess it depends on how you define success. But for me, let me just put it this way. I think purpose is more important than success with the, 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 the regular definitions of success, of what people think of success, you know, fame and fortune and whatever. But purpose... Purpose can be harder to get. Success, I mean, if, if success for is money for you and you just go earn a lot of money, great, have fun with that. It'll be great. But purpose, I mean, I talk with a lot of people recently, especially, especially with Corona and it's, you know, success. People don't even talk about success so much anymore. We're down to like the nitty gritty. We're down to the core stuff. We're down to like, what's your purpose? You're stuck in your house the whole time. Who cares about success anymore? If you have money, there's nothing to spend it on anyway. So we're back. We're down to purpose. And that's why, wow, your, your show title is really appropriate and awesome. Thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Bradley Charbonneau on creating habits and working towards who you want to be. Be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Bradley talking about what it is about writing the intertwined with a sense of purpose tips on how to sustainably write from the heart, and his books and courses on writing.